Hello, and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft, where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film and television heroes, and everything we say is in Comic Sans. My name is Michael Ruiz. And, I, my, and I'm your Robitussin-induced uh, co-host, Joe Tomlin. <laughs> and in your uh, Robitussin haze, can you answer a question for me, Joe? Sure. If you had a movie, you had to pick a movie from your childhood that you think is kind of like your own personal favorite and give it a remake, which movie would you choose? Oh, oh God. Um, a remake or a sequel? A sequel. I think I said remake. I meant a sequel. Okay, great. So a, a sequel movie to a movie that I think deserves a sequel from my childhood and I want a sequel. Maybe not deserves a sequel. That's kind of a strong word. Maybe, maybe just like you would just give it just to see what would happen. Straight up, I would probably watch Goonies 2. Okay. I would watch Goonies 2. I would all. I would probably watch Princess Bride 2. Okay. Yeah, those those are probably my strong answers. What about you? Well, how, how why specifically those two? Because I, I think it'd be kind of it'd be kind of silly to see like if if it ever happened either for the Goonies specifically, mm-hmm. the kids just doing another adventure or the kids as adults doing an adventure mm-hmm. that essentially is like an episode of Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um. And what was the other one I said again? You said you just said it. Oh my goodness. Michael, I'm the one who's sick. I I know. You should know this. I know. I know. I just I took should it know in. This. <laughs> you said Goonies and oh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Um, yeah. Um, I would love a Princess Bride sequel. Same cast, set with the same budget, which is like nothing in my mind. Like you know, three to five years after the first one was made. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I think like. Th- I think adventure um, adventure stories have the opportunity to just to, to have sequels. Yeah. I mean, we, we play D&D, so we mm-hmm. know that you could have different types of stories within adventure storytelling. That's why I think Knives at 2 is going to be fucking great, because <laughs> that's not adventure storytelling. But I think similarly, like detective fiction works works in, uh, in having multiple iterations. So yeah. th- those are my um, very intelligent and astute and very thought out answers onto what childhood movie would I want a sequel to? So anyway, what would you want, Michael? Honestly, I feel like nothing comes to mind immediately of like something I remember seeing as a kid and then being like, I wanted to see a sequel to this. And I can only imagine the movie that I watched as a kid that I wanted to see a sequel to as a kid was, do you remember Clockstoppers? <laughs> About like no. that guy who had like the yellow watch. It was a totally, totally like mid 2000s style. It was about that he had like that that watch, and it it like stopped time, but not like entirely, so he could move really fast. No, Michael, I never watched that. I okay. never heard about it. Okay, I've you if, know when if you you're a clock, clock stopper fan, <laughs> Michael, when you said that, the first thing I thought of, I'm like, you mean Ben Ten? You mean you mean goat? You mean you mean um, Mr. Gadget? Okay, it's a 2002, get this, okay, 2002 sci-fi movie. Do you know what it's directed by? Peter Jackson. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes yes. directed it? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. What a great 2002 poll. I, you know, I feel like my other backup answer was going to be uh, Holes. And, like, I know that story hit a pretty natural uh, conclusion, but I also just remember really liking that movie as a kid and also reading the book. It was one of those like, <laughs> wow, I really like this thing. So I'm going to engage with all parts of it. But like you do it as a kid because you're just interested in it. Mm-hmm. So I think my other answer would probably be holes. Why? I don't yeah. know. But, you know, why not? Anyway, why are we talking about why are we talking about uh, old movies, Joe, or specifically movies we saw as children? Why Why are we talking about about um, uh, about holes right now? Yeah. Um because we're talking about, uh, we're talking this, um, ooh, let me come up with a great transition. We're talking about holes into different dimensions, like the cyber dimension, like the cyber dimension that's deep beneath Warner Brothers Studios mm-hmm. and Space Jam, A New Legacy. Don't you mean the serververse? Serververse, whatever. <laughs> whatever, it's, it's Warner Brothers IP-verse is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's got all their it's got all their properties all in the same place, and they all hang out with each other. They all like each other. They're all best friends, mm-hmm. and they're all there, always there, showing you the fun things that you remember about those properties. Always there to cash a buck mm-hmm. for their likeness. Yeah. And who are we talking about for this episode, Joe? We're talking about the living legend himself, debatably the greatest basketball player <laughs> of all time. Debatably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The king himself, mm-hmm. Mr. Triple Double, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. We love him. We love him. Mm-hmm. We love him. Make it, making uh making quite a splash with his first uh his first uh act on the scene with with such famous lines like uh spaghetti and meatballs, that's my favorite. Or or my favorite line from him, dab. Dab. Oh, that's true. That was probably sincerely cute though, because he's just being a dad at that moment. That's true, he is. Mm-hmm. Michael, do you wanna um do you want to give uh, our listeners a rundown of Space Jam, A New Legacy, and the plot? Sure. I I mean, it's going to be hard to spoil this movie, but if you care about spoilers, go watch it. it you know? I mean, you're you're listening to a podcast, an hour-long podcast. Of course, there's going to be fucking spoilers. I can only imagine you're listening to this because you've watched it. And if you care about spoilers from Space Jam, here's your spoiler warning. <laughs> but basically... The plot of Space Jam is uh, LeBron James gets this deal to work with Warner Brothers to put himself in and, you know, like in the, they use his likeness in a bunch of different of their IPs. And he initially turns down this idea. But at the same time, he's having a small disagreement with his son, Dom, who really wants to go to a video game camp instead of basketball camp because he wants to live out his dream instead of his dad's who wants him on the court. And they have this mild disagreement where, he, you know, Dom walks away from him and then gets trapped in the server-verse, which is like the the, the multi-IP-verse uh, uh, underneath Warner Brothers that Joe was referring to earlier. And in the process of all of this, he gets wrapped up in this villain, very hammy villain played by Don Cheadle, named The Algorithm, who promises him all of these giant, like, you know, all these uh, access to all these different dimensions and teaches him how he's going to make his game a reality and all he has to do is beat LeBron James on the court. And LeBron James accepts this challenge and gets thrown into the Toon world. The Looney Tunes. In case you didn't know, the Looney Tunes were a part of Space Jam. Exactly. And then he is forced to get a team together and go toe-to-toe with his son on the court. And that's basically the gist of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. This This movie is extremely goofy. Well, no, no, that's a different movie, but that's a different movie, but (laughs) that's also a different movie. Now, (laughs) with um, with Space Jam, it follows similarly the same beats as the original one. LeBron James is this is this airheaded player who is very stuck in like being serious about the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. But the lesson that he needs to learn is to have fun. Mm -hmm. But what I think makes this movie better than the original one is that there's the added layer of like, he needs to actually give a fuck about his kid mm-hmm. and like, let his kid do what he wants to do instead of making his kid a clone of himself, which is kind of like funny because like, this is a fictionalized family for LeBron James. LeBron James actually has like five kids mm-hmm. and one of them is headed towards being an NBA player within the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little, it's a little funny mm-hmm. uh, in the real world, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think this movie, in that sense, has a little bit of heart. Mm-hmm. However, as you pointed out, Don Cheadle's character, Algorithm, um, takes over every scene he's in. Mm-hmm. Don Cheadle owns this role as this hammy, just computer mm-hmm. that just wants to have more. He wants more stardom and fame than than LeBron, right? That's that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's probably like the best part of this movie. Yeah. Would you would you agree or disagree? I would agree. Don Cheadle is giving like 200% to this role in a movie that as we've said is extremely silly. But mm-hmm. so silly in a way that it kind of demands that he be so over the top because like mm-hmm. I mean, no shame to LeBron James, but you know, he's not an he's not an actor so he can't really show off a lot of range. So as a result, Everyone else kind of needs to compensate for it to allow him to just be the kind of like stoic, uh, stoic wall. And mm-hmm. man, Don Cheeto is so expressive, so over the top with his reactions. I've never, I've never seen him 
acted this way and it's kind of amazing like he's he's good at playing this extreme like caricature of a villain yeah and yeah. and also like while still like maintaining a certain level of consistency with like who this villain is it's like oh he's this like you know indoctrinating force of trying to get his son to give him all his ideas right there's something to be said about this serververse persona indoctrinating children into giving them their good ideas right yep and so in that way, I do think that, like, Don Cheeto is a really good villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even, of course, with, like, with tiny little jokes that, like, the first time he meets LeBron James, he makes himself taller. <laughs> yeah. Because I think LeBron James, he's, like, 6'7". Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's just lots of, like... <coughs> clearly, this movie had lots of, like, tiny little in-jokes that it knew it was making at the same time. And so some of it, I think, is down to just... This movie still knows how to tell jokes, like... It is, of course, it's one giant commercial. We know that. And it's still got the same problems. It, it, you know, it's funny that you say that this, like, this movie is like a commercial. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, but not in the same way that the original one was. The original one was a commercial for, like, literally every fucking, like, big product in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, every big product threw their fucking cash, at, you know, at Warner Brothers to make this thing happen. And you got absurd ad pla- uh, um, ad placements within the movie and product placements. Yeah. This one, not so much. I mean, other, like, I noticed a Nike one, noticed some Apple. But, like, for the, this movie is really just about, like, Warner Brothers selling itself. Yes. Um, as, as, like, a big corporation that has all these big properties, which is kind of funny. Like, some of the properties that they bring up within this movie, they haven't done anything with in years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, we know because we keep track of movies, but like they mentioned the Matrix. We're getting the Matrix 4 maybe next, like later this year or next year. Mm -hmm. But they haven't touched the Matrix in over a decade. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been thinking about the Matrix. I have a lot of affection (laughs) for the Matrix. (laughs) Like, and to the point. I do. And to the point where when (laughs) I saw Speedy Gonzalez was the one who is in the Matrix world, I was like, well, this feels like a little bit of a personal attack. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, all right. Okay, I see you, movie. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that sequence? So, like, you know, when we're talking about, like, the the IPs, um, there is an extended sequence where Bugs Bunny and um, LeBron James insert themselves into these different Warner Brothers movies to try and recruit the Looney Tunes team. Because for some reason, the team split up after the last whatever movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so what did you think of that? Did you really enjoy that that Matrix scene? Yeah. I think the thing that made the montage work for me in ways I wasn't expecting was just because it was shorter. You know, I was mm-hmm. half expecting all of them to be as long as the superhero one, which of course like makes sense. Superheroes are hot right now, so that's the one they spent the most amount of time on. But mm-hmm. I think that them all just kind of existing as like simple bit gags is like a good just physical humor. Is probably like the way to go, or else it's it would seem like the joke would go on a little bit too long. Yeah. Least of which, like, maybe it's because like with the Matrix specifically, we saw years of Matrix parodies, right? It's even in Shrek. Mm-hmm. Like we would see that for so long because that movie was, of course, like influential in its own ways. And maybe just keeping it like a little bit of a bit gag meant it so it, was, it joke was gonna like hit and then it would be over. It's it's not like we're staying here for too long. Uh, mm-hmm. even if, even if, like, of course I know, I mean, I guess maybe I knew going into this movie, I was like, this movie's just gonna be one giant commercial in the same way that, you know, like, the Lego movie is, is, right? That, like, after you're done watching the Lego movie, you're like, man, I wanna go play with some Le- Legos right now. <laughs> yes. But how about you? Did it work for you? Not really. I will say I was charmed by the, um, um by the superhero sequence, and that's because I recognized Bruce Timm's artwork. Mm-hmm. I was like, they explicitly chose to use this incarnation of their superhero universe. And I really like that. Yeah. Because they could have easily done like the DCEU or the new Teen Titans Go universe mm-hmm. or Young Justice or something like that. But they chose to go with like the classic 90s cartoons of Batman and Superman. And that was pretty, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. But then like afterwards, once we're getting to like different characters and different scenarios, I was kind of like, rolling my eyes a little bit um i mean i because i knew that this was like something like this was going to happen Mm -hmm. um but um to its credit and to your point i'm glad it was short 
Yeah. If it was longer, I probably would complain about it longer. I think the IP dump that I enjoyed the most in this movie was honestly, I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time looking at the characters in the background of the basketball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because, so like, when the basketball game starts, they have a bunch of like extras who are using really old costumes mm-hmm. from different from different like Warner Brothers properties that are just like cheering around in the background. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny to see like the different versions of like Batman and Joker. Yeah. And, like they had someone dressed as Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze mm-hmm. specifically in the robe. Yeah. Specifically in the robe. And like get knowing that they're going to get like that minute into these co- these costumes was honestly pretty funny to me. I agree. I'm glad mm-hmm. that we both noticed that like entire row of Batman villains they had because they even had like the 1960s Batman and Robin because I was like, yeah, that mm-hmm. that guy, that Robin actor is straight up wearing the pixie shorts like, you know, <laughs> or pixie boots. Yeah, they have Cesar Romero's Joker there. Mm-hmm. Totally. And all the villains are lined up with the villains. Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever Algorithm is like shouting uh, during the basketball game, you have <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit distracting just because I'm like I am at times just kind of being like I don't what's what's going on what's going on in the background you know what's uh mm-hmm. what giant properties do I recognize over here oh there's King Kong okay we see King Kong there's that weird uh, nun from the devils that really like really grotesque horror movie that some random person just decided well I'm gonna put this one in <laughs> who's gonna notice they have the li- they have the live action Flintstones in there mm-hmm. and the animated Flintstones Hellraiser <laughs> like. <laughs> It is kind of wild, right? Like it's it is bananas to think how much like how many IPs are in that one single frame, all individually animated. And of course, I know Warner Brothers isn't paying that's like the big scandal with this movie. Warner Brothers didn't pay and or credit their artists nearly enough. But damn, if you know, shout out to those uh, uncredited artists that they really did a good job putting in all of those different people in that background scene. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Um, and shout out and absolutely shout out to those artists. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 was my biggest source of joy was like watching and looking at those uh, around in the in the background scenes. The, the, the title of our of our episode uh, and, and the theme of our podcast is to talk about champions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's one champion we have not talked much about. Uh, Michael, mm-hmm. what did you think about Bugs Bunny in this movie? You know, Bugs Bunny had quite an arc, huh? Mm-hmm. He went from being like kind of a, a self-centered like jerk for the first part of the mm-hmm. movie because he is he is really down and uh, like they even characterize his like reliance on carrots as like an addiction of some kind. Uh-huh. And that Bugs Bunny, he he acts so selfish for the first part of the movie that he's trying to just get all his friends back together. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a little bit of a, a strange beat that ultimately mm-hmm. gets kind of a, I guess I suppose undermined a little bit uh, based on where he's at, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I'm surprised that they gave him a, a sense of interiority that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, they didn't really play it up too much, but it is there, mm-hmm. and it does get it does get put on the back burner a little bit when we get introduced to uh, when we get introduced to Lola Bunny. Mm-hmm. And Lola Bunny kind of like takes over for basically once we get to the basketball sequence yeah yeah she, um, she gets to be the supportive role and she's kind of just supportive i know i know mm-hmm. lola bunny like i think it's just the, the lines that were uh i think it's just the lines in the role that the movie played with her that i feel like she kind of just is like a supportive friend i feel like she was missing yeah. some of her like spunk yeah she normally she normally has a a, a bit of um she she has a tongue in cheekness mm-hmm. that mirrors Bugs Bunny's traditional um, sense of humor. Yeah, that isn't quite there. She she's pretty sincere for for most of her most of her lines. Mm-hmm. And they're played by Zendaya. Mm-hmm. And um, um all, all all the haters online can really shut shut the fuck up about that. Of she course. does fine. Yeah, Zendaya does a great job. You know, once again, I think that we talked about this with animated characters before. Go watch our song, the Hedgehog episode we did. Kind of like most of the animated characters outside of probably Bugs Bunny, the way they're animated at times doesn't always feel like it lends to the performance, and so to all of them kind of have a certain stiffness to them. Yeah. Especially when they become 3D models. Yes. Like, I, 
of course, like I know that the whole point was that they were they were trying to get back to being 2D because that's what they feel the most comfortable in. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, I, I feel like as soon as they turned to 3D, a lot of their personality kind of went out the door. Yeah, and this was like from the hunch that I that you and I had talked about off mic um, beforehand when this this all this fake dumb outrage online happened with uh, the trailer for Sandeya's uh, Lola Bunny. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened was because it's a feature film and they had 2D and 3D animation, they probably created the animation first and then asked the actors to, and then asked the actors to like, or yeah, then they asked the actors to do lines. Mm-hmm. Normally what happens is that they come, like there's like, a rough character design mm-hmm. there's some sketching storyboarding um they come up with a, r- a rough like plot for like animated movies mm-hmm. uh, some animated movies don't actually have like a real script script is more like a working script and then voice actors come in for like a few weeks and they and they just throw stuff at the wall with their with their dialogue mm-hmm. and it seems like this was just completely like stick to the script this is what you've got Mm -hmm. and then we'll deal with everything later i don't think a lot of the animation was really done to like the voice actors um dialogue Mm -hmm. so like if they tried to be like more exaggerated it didn't show Mm -hmm. or they played it a bit more subtle than they should have um so that's why it felt kind of off yeah there's it's just the stiffness to it right Mm-hmm. Which like this is this is this is not anything new. Like that's the whole point of animation. Everything's meant to be a little bit more expressive. And I think that when you when you meet when you meet Bugs Bunny, that's kind of them kind of like showing off their chops a little bit, where they're showing both him and LeBron in this like super exaggerated expressive format, and that really goes away. And I feel like that's kind of even harder because that's part of the theme of this movie. It's weird to think that this movie has like a theme, but. This movie has like a theme in that, like you know, you got to be expressive. You got to you know, show off this part of yourself. You got to be true to yourself. You got to be. You got to get. You got to be. Uh, you got to be. Uh, what's the word they use? Play like a tune. Is it just loony? Is that the word they use? Loony. Loony. Mm-hmm. You got to get loony, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole. Uh, that's the whole gist of the movie. And it feels weird mm-hmm. that that gets taken away from them through their own animation. <laughs> Is the algorithm really just Warner Bros. execs? Execs. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny, I, I was talking about... It's really just Sarah Silverman the entire time. <laughs> and, but you know what's funny, though, is that, like, didn't, did LeBron James sit in on a, on a meeting just like the one that was shot in the movie? Like, do you, but instead he said yes. Like, he went to Warner Bros., they brought him on the lot, and they're like, here, LeBron, here, we're going to do this. We're going to put you in this movie with all our different IPs. We're going to put you in the Matrix coat. We're going to show you in Casablanca. We're going to show you in uh, Looney Tune World. Did they literally put And then he was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what happened. And then he said, wait, I'll do that if you build me a basketball court so I can practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wondered about that every now and then. Because, you know, I always feel like in movies, I've heard this is an old trick. I don't know if this is true all the time, but when it cuts away to a wide shot and it cuts to a close-up on the you know the character who's speaking sometimes it's shot like that because the person who was speaking wasn't there for that day of filming yeah and so they just had a stand-in for someone that day Mm -hmm. and so they do that a lot with lebron and i wonder like oh what a hugs i wonder if it's a mixture of like he probably doesn't have time and he's also probably really expensive Right, like, how much is LeBron mm-hmm. James's time worth? Like, he's he's King James, right? Mm-hmm. They must have they must have like you know, how much money do they have a shelf out to get uh to get him on studio for like one day of filming? I do not know, but um, uh, probably a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I imagine. Yes, I imagine he probably did not shoot as much as uh as much as we anticipate. Mm-hmm. But Dom, on the other hand, Dom's got all that time in the world. Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. I mean, and, you know, to his credit, he does a pretty good job of, of playing, you know, the script doesn't ask too much of him, but at least playing like a conflicted kid. Yeah. What do you think of Dom? Do you like Dom? Were you sympathetic towards Dom's motivations? I was sympathetic towards Dom. Mm-hmm. I, too, have a, have a legendary basketball fa- father. Oh, yeah? <laughs> who wants me only to play basketball. And all <laughs> I want to do is make video games. <laughs> you just want to go to E3 uh, camp. I just, oh my gosh, E3 camp. Yeah, that's right. That's the language they use, mm-hmm. right? They call it E3 camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I like Dom. I, I, I like the actor. I thought he did a really great job. 
Um, I liked, I liked his conflict. I liked how he like would question algorithm, but also was like excited by the world. I thought they did a pretty good balance with his motivations. And I imagine he probably had fun filming the filming some of those action sequences where they got to do CGI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They give him a cool outfit when he goes into like his villain mode. Like yeah. I, I, I mm-hmm. really like his basketball jersey with his like hoodie combo and the way in which, of course, like he looks a little bit goofy because he's a little boy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, I was like, to his credit, this is like what I would imagine a, a child would like dress themselves like if they're trying to be cool. And I think it makes a lot of sense for this kind of sincere kid. And also, I think it's notable that he looks like a video game character. And so, like, it, it, it's like a, a tiny touch of detail. But like, you know, hats off to the costuming department. They really knew mm-hmm. for, for, of course, like a, a relatively simple role, because obviously we know he's going he's going to join the Toon Squad by the end of it. Yes, yes. And I thought they played that part pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Like with him joining with the good guys at the end. Mm-hmm. That was that was charming. Yeah. I like the scene, you know, I really like the scene where 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 father and son came together. You know, hats off to hats off to the, the script that was like, you know, what we're going to do. We're going to have we're going to have this scene in this very touching story between a, you know, a, a father and his and his son. And we're going to be like, he's, you know, LeBron's going to come up to him and be like, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I, you know, I pushed, I pushed my things. I pushed my, my beliefs on you when I shouldn't have. And then they hug, they bring it in. And I was like, you know what? This is like hitting more notches on like a complete story than I see in most dad narratives, mm-hmm. <laughs> which like, yep. I know it's just because, you know, since your actor, your main actor is also like just himself. Like he's just LeBron James. They obviously want to portray him in a very positive light. But even so, hey, you know what? Admitted he was wrong. Said sorry. (laughs) Changes his behavior. Was emotionally vulnerable. Was emotionally vulnerable. Like, like other movies, what are you doing? (laughs) This is all I'm asking. This is is the bare minimum. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they did it. And they did it. And that's why I'm like, this is okay. Yeah. This This is okay. This movie is like you know, it's not, it's not great. It's not explosively good, but you know, it hit, it hits its beats. I guess this is okay. Mm -hmm. This is this is solidly fine. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, do I guess this would be a live reading. Do you want to read your your uh, thirty liked review on Letterbox, Joe? Oh my god. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you're not if you're not following me on Letterbox, I'm at Joke Tomlin on Letterbox, and I. I review things regularly, some seriously, most not so much. Mm-hmm. What I said on Letterboxd is that I, I genuinely, like, I, I didn't hear a come on and slam mm-hmm. in this movie, so it genuinely brings down the rating for me. Yeah. Like, this movie doesn't have a catchy song to it that no. like that really stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't have a really good theme. I can't remember the theme music from it. Um, granted, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen it, but... Mm-hmm um i can't remember the theme music from it the only music i remember is porky pig the quote-unquote notorious pig rapping yeah that's kind of like the hat drop of the movie especially during the game because it's kind of like the halftime show of the game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel i feel like that's it and of course i don't i don't want to couch this too much in like the language of actual criticism because this is an extremely silly movie but i I feel Mm -hmm. like the game which takes up like an hour of the movie Weirdly, I feel like it doesn't quite feel like a up and down sports story where this, you know, the last game has to really go through the loops of like we're losing. Oh, we're starting to get an advantage. Oh, no, we're really losing. And I feel like it was missing a little bit of like it didn't have the same stakes that like I expect from other sports movies. I guess it didn't feel I guess what I'm saying is like it doesn't feel like an actual game of basketball, you know? Well, it isn't. It's it's a video game, of course, based off of basketball. That was the pre- so maybe we didn't mention this. So um, Dom creates a game, mm-hmm. right? He creates a video game, and that's the basket. And he creates like a basketball video game that has points and power ups and shit. Mm-hmm. It genuinely looks fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's the game that they're playing for basketball. Mm-hmm. It's not real points. The points go in like the thousands, and you get style points mm-hmm. um, for doing fun and creative stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, I think this. You know, under that premise, I think the the story prioritized the emotion and drama between Dom and uh, and LeBron. Mm-hmm. 
over the over like the basketball game itself Mm -hmm. in terms of like a sports narrative yeah that kind of does like relieve some of the tension from the game itself but granted i think the reason why they did that is it's so we could have something of an impactful moment when they come together Mm -hmm. right yeah because they're apart and for like the first you know 45 minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. basically yeah he gets separated and then um lebron goes through the other movies Mm -hmm. (laughs) the other ips Mm -hmm. so i i kind of get it but i agree i guess i was missing that from from the original space jam movie i guess the the way in which like you know i'm not that i'm you know the hugest fan of basketball out there to make this argument specifically but when you're watching a game it has a natural like flow to it unless of course like the other team's getting stomped right which, like, of course, like, we've all seen that. We've all seen that story. That's generally what sports movies open on, right? To create that sense of tension. Like, oh, this is the best team, right? This is the team that's about to, you know, like, uh, be the final, be the final boss. And in this, in that same way, when you have, like, this really close game between these two teams, I feel like we didn't quite get there between, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Toon Squad and the Goon Squad. <laughs> Where mm-hmm. like there, it felt like there was a, it felt like the goon squad was really good at the front, and that was kind of it. And admittedly, it's fun that they use actual basketball players <laughs> to mm-hmm. be to be on to be on the goon squad. Uh, I hope they, you know, I hope I, I'm sure they all got paid, but I hope they did. Um, but it, it, I guess it just there wasn't didn't feel like there was like a, like a natural back and forth in that way. It just felt like it was a really flashy uh, like first impression, but that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's it's because it's not like actual games of sports or even like the 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 silly games that we've played that are meant to be like sports in various ways. Like we watched uh, Kuroko no Basuke, an anime about basketball, and that shit's magical as hell. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That is everyone's got superpowers. Everyone's got superpowers, <laughs> and they still found a way to make it so you know there there's like a natural like back and forth between uh, the two teams. It favors its its 3D tunes and its uh, NBA and WNBA all star uh, mon- digital monster uh, hybrids. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved watching Clay Thompson as as someone who could transform between water and fire. That was pretty fun. <laughs> I liked AD as like the bird, and then I I, yeah. I, I only realized like like 20 minutes into it, I was like, oh, it's because of his arms because he's got wingspan. That's why he's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that one together. Michael, what did you think of Daffy Duck in this movie? <laughs> I feel like this is the dangerous part about this movie because it's all so superficial. What the fuck do we have to talk about? Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. What did I think of Daffy Duck? What did I think of Daffy Duck? He kind of just, he plays the heel in ways in which I guess I was expecting. I like that he's the team manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Me too. That, I like that he's just a jerk. Yeah, it's you know I like that he's like essentially like a supervillain. Yeah, in uh in the DC in in the DC superhero universe, I thought that was funny. Yeah, he's a heel just like Marv Martian is a heel. Mm-hmm. I was surprised Marv Martian didn't get more screen time. They like purposefully like took him out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's. I thought that was an odd choice. Yeah. It's well. I think that's the thing with the tunes as a whole, and we kind of talked about this with the animation already. But it feels like the story, even like they go and they pick everybody up, like from the the separate worlds. But other than that, they don't really make a whole lot of an appearance. And because the animation is so lacking, it feels like both the narrative and the you know the the animation forget about them a little bit. Yeah. Do you remember Tweety Bird? No. Like I mean, I know I know he was in there, but no. I don't remember Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird's like, Tweety Bird's like all over like merchandise. Yeah. Right. And and I'm really shocked that like Granny stood out over Tweety Bird mm-hmm. and Granny. And the only reason Granny stood out is because they're like, well, what if she isn't a grandma? What if she's just like a Gen Zer who mm-hmm. likes to drink alcohol? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that 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 was like their that was their that was the shtick. It's like everyone had a shtick, but they didn't bother to give a shtick to all the tunes. Mm hmm. And so, like, they end up feeling just flatter than they normally do. Yeah, and it's because they they emphasize a lot on algorithm. Mm-hmm. And algorithm's a little sperm buddy. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Like, Gross. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? I now so that you algorithm said that, has like this has like I it's algorithms a little like sidekick. I think it's supposed to be a light bulb, mm-hmm. but it looks like it looks like a sperm, and it doesn't serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. It, it they don't have any good lines, any good jokes. Yeah, it, it's just another. It's like another heel for algorithm to be mean to to show that algorithm's a bad guy. Yeah, because we can't have algorithm be mean to Dom because that doesn't make any sense, and also we don't want to make kids feel bad. Yeah, instead we'll just we'll just give them a tiny uh, cartoon projection through which they can project their own feelings onto and then feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't. I mean, like we could have just. We didn't need that. Yeah. Any of those interactions were unnecessary. So get rid of the sperm. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember its name. That's true. <laughs> I hope one day we are. I hope one day we are big enough to have one of those one of those uh, Twitter Twitter pages where people just take what we write or what we say out of context, <laughs> and then they just they, they just put on the Space Jam episode. Joseph Tomlin take out the sperm. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. how I know we'll make it. That's how I know we made it. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah once we have fan accounts we you know we've made it mm-hmm. until then uh we have to be our own fan account exactly <laughs> you know that's is that what it means to to be uh to be to be a content creator now you just gotta be your own fan mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. lebron had to be his own fan in the, in the movie yeah yeah you know like to that point as well I guess I'm just going, but fuck it, I'll just say that like it does feel weird that the the, the movie opens with the idea that you know like you know he gave up video games when he was a kid because he really liked them because you know he ruined uh or he missed the shot right and his coach Lots of nintendo advertising yeah his yeah his coach his coach got mad at him because he said you know your head's not in this you can't be focusing on games you need to be on the game right hmm wow i just said that uh you know what i meant though and mm-hmm. That's never really returned to. Like, I think it's good because it informs the very simple characterization of why LeBron behaves the way he does. And I think it could be just part of this, like, kind of uh, uh, generational story with, like, masculinity and how we should treat each other. And, I, like, the way in which we were taught when we were younger to behave is not right. And therefore, we should treat the next generation better. And I feel like there's something kind about that. But that's not really what the story's about. No. Or it doesn't. It doesn't feel like LeBron's ever like unpacking that. Mm-mm. And instead, no, no, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron is still just like LeBron doesn't unpack that. And they try to like turn it around with Bugs Buddy saying like you gotta get you you gotta have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And you know it's the connection between video games and fun was still kind of kind of slim. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you ever play that Looney Tunes game on the Game Boy on the mm- Game Boy Color? No, I did not. I did. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, you like that it? game is not fun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all it is is Bugs Bunny walking through doors. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. No, no, it's not. It's not that. It's not that great of a game. Um, I remember me and uh, my brother Danny. We'd go back and forth trading it, and we're like, we don't. I don't know how to progress. I'm just walking through a house. Mm-hmm. That's all this game is about: walking through a house and <laughs> 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 collecting carrots. But anyway, yeah, like if there was some form of connection with like LeBron and like fun, like the connection with fun is with Dom. Mm-hmm. And once again, like I said earlier, like LeBron isn't really connected to Dom for most of the movies. So they try to make up for it a lot during the game itself. And because of that, it takes away from characterization from the tunes. Yeah. Which is when we have all the care, which is when we have them all together. Yeah. Um. So that's a bit of a bummer yeah um and it makes sense why uh i wasn't paying that much attention and i was too busy focusing on the background characters Mm-hmm. <laughs> i guess it's just and that like this movie is very busy right it has so many things going on inside of it between the storyline between you know lebron and dom dom and algorithm the tunes bugs bunny having his own arc about like his loneliness and his like selfishness to get all his friends back in the same place that also weirdly doesn't get any type of attention after the initial uh, wrangling of everyone together. And then mm-hmm. there's, and then there's everything else, right? And there's a greater story about, uh, you know, basketball and games and whether or not you're having fun or not. And it doesn't really seem like it ever tries to tie all of it together. <laughs> what are you talking about? They did when Bugs Bunny died. That's, 
Did we forget about that part? Yes. Bugs Bunny fucking died. Bugs Bunny dying has the same energy as when Goofy dies in Kingdom Hearts. Like, you know, yep. you know, like, remember when Goofy died? I remember when Goofy died in Kingdom Hearts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, not for a second do I believe that they are going to commit to this decision, but holy fuck, why are we are treating it? Like Bugs Bunny is going to die in Lola Bunny's arm. <laughs> I remember, I remember sitting in the screening in a packed movie theater filled with a bunch of kids, like basically under the age of ten. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of them were just introduced to Bugs Bunny with this movie, and now they have to watch him die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this very cute cart, this very cute cartoon rabbit. Watch kids. Who's depressed and lonely? Who's depressed and lonely and then dies. Welcome to the real world, kids. <laughs> Honestly, like well you know, I I understand they had to tie it all together, right? And there had to be someone who kind of, you know, had to had to make a make a sacrifice, right? But like, I feel like LeBron had a pretty good point. He's not a toon. It wouldn't affect him in the same way. Mm-hmm. He would just go back to our world. And then B- Bugs is like, no, I have to do this. No. I need to die for my friends who I've desperately wanted to be together. Like, the Bugs Bunny decided, like, this is my moment. Like, <laughs> I'm about to get out of the way. <laughs> Bugs Bunny, Leroy Jenkins. You know, I... 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 I guess it's like it's once again maybe we're holding this movie to way too high a standard, but it is it is it is just wild <laughs> that like they have this whole long you know drawn out sequence that's also like pretty well choreographed in just that you are watching uh, LeBron like have this moment of realization like oh, one of us has got to go you know if we're, if we're going to if we're going to uh, you know bug out the game then one of us has got to make that one of us got to make that happen. And LeBron, like, you know, kind of sits there. It's like, you know, for my son, for everybody else, I'm going to do this. And you see you see the camera hold on Bugs Bunny. He's just like, I'm, no, LeBron, I've got you. <laughs> and then takes his place. And he does LeBron's move he does on Le- the court. He does LeBron's move. His, his, his very simple move. It's fundamentals, dude. It is fundamentals. Yes. As LeBron has said many times, fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Well, oh my God. You know, I just, I, I may, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it landed. You know, maybe, maybe there's, there's a, there's a bunch of people who like watch this and are like, whoa, Bugs Bunny, pro mm-hmm. sacrifice. I guess so. Yeah. It's also strange that like in comparison to the original too, that like, I, this is funny because I also, I also did sincerely laugh when they brought up Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh, that's right. We haven't talked about that. Yeah, that was a good bit. Yeah. It's like this movie, like once again, this movie knows how to do like one-off bits pretty well, but doesn't quite know how to tie them all together. So it just kind of feels like joke after joke after joke. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and also, there's a loosely you know connected narrative to all of this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when yeah. Michael B. Jordan showed up, I was like, hey, <laughs> it was kind of half hoping he would join the team. Yeah, no, Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler, who's a, an executive producer on this movie, was just like, hey, buddy, you want to come on set for for. For this, you want to meet LeBron James for like a day? Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, right? And you know that like he just walked into an empty room with just LeBron James standing there. He's like, okay, just act in a bunch of empty space. Don't worry, I look great also, in post. Also, here's a thing of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> he sold a bucket of popcorn during the mm-hmm. entire thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, so funny. I swear to God, he wore that. He just wore whatever outfit he wore that day. Just walked on set just like that and did it. So funny. I mean, he's Michael B. Jordan, so he'll look good in anything. True. But, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very handsome man. Extremely handsome man. Oh, boy. What's, Indeed. What's up with this movie, man? Uh, I mean, this movie's loony. Um, this, movie, <laughs> this movie's loony. This movie just, because of the star power of LeBron James, because of the, the father-son plot, the getting the tunes together, the IP shove, the the advertisements... Mm-hmm. And having the biggest villain in, in, in Don Cheadle, it's just a lot. It's, there was just yeah. too much they put into this movie. Some of it lands, some of it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of some of the stuff that lands is surprising and some of the stuff that doesn't is disappointing. 
Yeah. And that's okay. Because you know what? This movie ain't for me. This movie's for the kids. <laughs> of course. Yeah, like, yeah, not not to, not to you know, quote unquote, put on our, our critical lens too hard for this movie. Other than their, you know, their awful approach to labor, it seems. But I think I think the only thing that I was really hoping for was just the moment, you know, the, the moment akin to when uh, Michael Jordan, you know, extends his arm all the way across the, across the the court and dunks it's iconic. It. Yeah, and I guess mm-hmm. there's no moment that felt like the big dunk moment in this movie. You know? Yeah. Like I guess it's Bugs Bunny's sacrifice, and I guess it's strange that they went for more of a uh, somber approach mm-hmm. you know they want this movie to have i think what we, we we commonly talk here to have a heart to it it's just so it's the weirdest version of it it's like we're gonna kill bugs buddy <laughs> and, and then we're gonna bring him back to life speaking of which we're talking about bugs bunny we didn't even talk about one of the best parts of this movie big chungus is in it welcome back to 2018 buddy <laughs> i know i mean like i guess how could they not right it's right there mm-hmm <laughs> Oh boy, I guess we're getting the time here, Joe. What are your what are your wrap up thoughts on Space Jam Two and LeBron James in as a, as a, as a champion? Well, Space Jam Two does not get up and it does not slam. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not a real jam going down right here. However, LeBron James, because he's a good dad in this movie, he gets a champion belt. And wh- how could I not give this man who now has what four or five rings a champion <laughs> belt as well? All right, yeah. that's just rude as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess one thing I'm going I'm going to leave this off of is I think this movie would have been better with Kobe Bryant. Anyway. <gasps> oh! <laughs> well, you know, rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> I just had to do the dig. I just had to do the dig because I don't... I mean, did you did you grow up watching the Kobe versus LeBron commercials? Oh, of course. Yeah. When they had Muppets. Mm-hmm. They had Muppets of Kobe and LeBron. Like, go every game. Every Laker game, I'd watch that. Mm-hmm. And it and it's the and it was the funniest fucking shit for me. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't help but make a call back to that. Of you course. can edit that out if you want. No, you um, can. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, rest in peace. Much re- first of all, much respect to King James. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I will say you are the best. At, the best that there is at this game. Mm-hmm. And, and rest in peace to, to Kobe. But anyway, what did you think of the movie, Michael? <laughs> wow, <laughs> now I'm ending this uh, this episode on a fucking somber note. <laughs> um. This movie is like, like I said, I went into it with the lowest of expectations because I knew exactly what it was going to be, and I think I had a good enough time with it. Was it, you know, was I mind blown? Do I still kind of want, even on like that, like that superficial level, I kind of wanted there to be a little bit more spectacle when they got there. I kind of wanted to hear that remix of the Space Jam theme play when they were playing the game. Maybe that would be a little bit too on the nose and asking for a little bit too much. But I feel like that's kind of what this movie is. It's about excess. So it's kind of like one of those equivalents. that This movie is just... I'm going to treat this movie like potato chips. I'm going to smash this whole bag. Like, you know, if I'm just going to commit to eating all of these, why stop when there's only, like, you know, the crumbles at the bottom? I'm going to eat all the crumbles and then, like, like tip it into my mouth. <laughs> like, let's just go all the way then. I agree. Uh, LeBron James gets the champion belt because, you know, he's he's already got four rings. How can we, de- how can we de- deny him such a title? <laughs> even mm-hmm. even solely for the moment where he he uh, uh shoots a three and it lands and he just stare, like stares straight at the screen and just says buckets oh my god <laughs> and i loved it i love that scene too yeah <laughs> see there are things to like in this movie but they're you know mm-hmm. yeah it, there are things to like when it feels like it's being uh I guess, like like I said, like an authentic sports movie? An authentic kid sports movie. It knows yeah. itself. Yeah. When it knows itself and it knows its themes and its audience, it works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and like, like you said, Joe, I think LeBron James has an arc here. And, mm-hmm. you know, once again, pretty simple. But what I'm asking from, from a dad narrative, I'm going to be forced to watch one. I want at least, uh, you know, that vulnerability, that apology, the changed behavior, the sorry. You know, that's miles ahead of fuckface from Mitchell's versus the machines. Like, fuck, oh my God. fuck that guy. You know? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say, and I'm going to address this on the pod before we end this episode. <laughs> Cause I wanted to, I was going to legitimately call you out and talk to you on discord about this. <laughs> Follow Michael Ruiz at Veritas Vulpis on, uh, on Letterboxd. Cause this motherfucker gave Mitchell's versus machines a star one and a half stars. Yeah. On Letterboxd. Yeah. But he gave Sonic two and a half. Yeah. I don't believe that. I yeah. can't believe 
that you would do that. This blows my mind for what I conceptualize you as Michael Ruiz. Yeah. Mitchell's first I can't machine. believe... I stand by my review. Mitchell's first machines. Great movie. Horrible, atrocious vibes in it. I... 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 <laughs> Michael, did you rate Joker? <laughs> yeah, I made it. I made it. Gave it a half star. <laughs> I gave the, no, okay. no. Fuck Joker, dude. Like that shit. I, I, I wanted to give it a half star just for the sake of just saying, yep, I saw it. I reviewed it. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that movie deserves. Like, I understand from a craft level what is good here, but the themes and vibes definitely are atrocious in this movie. Yeah. And anyway. Now that I now that we just rehashed half of our podcast in the last thirty <laughs> seconds of this episode on Space Jam, I really feel like we've 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 embodied Space Jam in this moment. Mm-hmm. So honestly, there's not much more we can say or do. Yeah, I mean, I guess with Letterbox in particular, I think that it's it's my experimenting with just the idea that yeah, I'm going to rate something based on like how well do I think this is made from a craft level mixed with how much did I sincerely enjoy it because I feel like that is. That is sincerely like what I think criticism should be on a certain level. Mm-hmm. Cause like, there's no way you're ever going to be get, you're going to get out of your own subjective mind entirely. And of course, like I recognize that like, there's also some things you can't just throw out like objective thought. And if people like things, that's totally fine. I'm not telling anybody they can't like something, but mm-hmm. you know, it just, for me, I was like, yeah, I would, in terms of what I watched, would I watch a certain movie again? Yeah. Like, you know, that there's like, that's kind of how, uh, that uh those stars play into that that makes sense can i can i ask you a sincere question then as like as uh something of a uh um an experiment shoot what would you rate tommy Wiseau's the room <laughs> oh goodness i feel like i would write i would rate it five stars just for the meme of it <laughs> oh but we have i might cut this but we have such an interesting relationship with that movie because god like We've watched that movie so many times, so many times, arguably more than movies I actually like. But like, admittedly, because of that movie, we've hung out so many times and I've had so many good memories with you and other of our friends involved with that movie that like, I have a sincere affection for it now. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you would ask me, would I rather watch, you know, The Room or Joker again? I'd watch The Room like oh, 10 room. times out of Hands 10, down. right? Hands down, I would watch The Room. Yeah, like... I I rated it one star on Letterboxd because it genuinely is, on a craft level, an awful movie, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. When you look at other people's reviews, you can see whether or not they liked it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, like... I I usually like movies like that I know I'm for sure, regardless of what the rating is, I'm going to want to rewatch this shit. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's... That's it. Yeah, you know that that's how i think i i came to terms with that so anyway this is all to say i think letterbox is a really good rating system Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty effective and i like people who give sincere long like essays that you could like publish on like a blog or or on like or on a site Mm -hmm. i don't understand why people do that on letterbox (laughs) i don't think it's made for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i mean a sincere take is of course but like don't write an essay man yeah (laughs) This isn't a good format for that. A five-star rating is inherently reductive way of looking at criticism of anything, right? Because it's just like, there's no way you could really distill, like, your enjoyment of something into a definitive star ranking or number ranking. Because, like, of course, your affection for things fluctuates, right? If you ask me my favorite movie of all times, I might say, like, Into the Spider-Verse some days. And if you ask me another day after I see, like, a really good drama, I might say something else. And so, like, Mm -hmm. it's... Yeah, it's like trying to trying to definitively pick something can almost feel failing at times, which is why I think like all the more reason to just be subjective and personal about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, letterbox. I, I I agree. I agree. Like not the place for essays, but definitely a place for just people to just kind of uh, share thoughts and feelings outside of you know them being harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, whenever so to back to Space Jam though. <laughs> Gotta finish this conversation on Space Jam. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Champion Casters. Come for a review on Space Jam. Stay for the inf- thoughtful conversation about Letterboxd as a medium. God, I might actually keep this now. <laughs>
Yeah. Because I was like, I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think with Space Jam, it, you know, it's it, some of that I think has to do with expectations too. That like, I maybe I just went into this with like very low expectations. So I just naturally enjoyed myself a little bit more. And that's mm-hmm. like part of the criticism of just like, oh, I go into this expecting something good and then I expect more from it. Or I expect something extremely silly, and I got something extremely silly, so I was fine with it. Yeah. Um, so what did you? What do you? I mean, like, we we do our thing for we do our like are are they deserving as a, uh, of a champion as a means to like undercut that right mm-hmm. within our within our podcast? We don't want to give a, a star or like a rating for something because mm-hmm. you know. Every one film is subjective mm-hmm. to like we're essentially like what we're doing is the Cisco essentially the Cisco and Ebert model of thumbs up or thumbs down mm-hmm. of like, are they are they good or are they not? Mm-hmm. And we're doing it from like a character standpoint. Mm-hmm. That being said, what did you actually rate uh, Space Jam on Letterboxd and why? I don't think I've actually dropped a review. You haven't rated it yet? Not yet. Oh, damn. I probably really should have done it immediately after. But I would probably give yeah. it like two stars. Wow, two and a half stars, maybe. I I think I'm much more generous with my ratings, and I think judging from our podcast, I'm much more generous with movies than you. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the only one I get to be the grumpy one with. You make me into the grumpy one, Joe. Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> Um, I will, I will gladly be the Roger Ebert to your Siskel, <laughs> um, for, to your Gene Siskel, but, um, I rated it, uh, three stars. Mm-hmm. Cause once again, like, like you said, like, am I the intended audience for this? Mm-hmm. What is my enjoyment for this? Are our kids going to enjoy this in the future? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the same way in which millennials have a lot of affection for the original Space Jam, Gen Zers might like early Gen Zer or late Gen Zers, late Gen Zers rather, mm-hmm. would probably enjoy this movie a lot too. Mm-hmm. So have fun with your with your dead bunny. Yeah, I I am flashing back to all my conversations with Kyle about him as, as someone who watched the Space Jam, the original Space Jam, like countless times because we used to rent it all the way all the time from Blockbuster, and how he was just so adamant, was like I don't care about Space Jam, I do not want to <laughs> see it. <laughs> You're like, I love, I'm excited for this. He's like, Michael, shut the fuck up. Shut up. You didn't have to sit through all those showings of Space Jam. Every sleepover with the cousins, every single time we got to make a movie, what did we get? Fucking Space Jam. <laughs> oh, goodness. God, we got to wrap this episode up, bud. Here we were, concerned that we wouldn't have a lot to talk about. And here we are having a thoughtful discussion. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, good. You're welcome, Michael. You're welcome, audience. <laughs> okay. All right. What are we talking about next week, bud? So uh, next week we'll be talking about Gunpowder Milkshake, uh, which is the the action movie that stars uh, uh, Karen Gillian and uh, Lena Headey, mm-hmm. um, a- a- among many other very talented actresses, mm-hmm. and one Paul Giamatti. Hang, uh, hold on to your hats because we're gonna watch uh, a pretty campy action uh, neo noir movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it so much. I, I just talk about like this was supposed to be silly. I'm expecting this to be fun on like that like superficial level in so many ways. Uh, spoiler alert! I've already seen it. <gasps> oh, you didn't wait? No, I didn't wait. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to it. Uh, seeing it anyway. Okay, well, I hope you join us all for that conversation next week. And thank you for sticking around for a longer, more thought-provoking episode than I was expecting from a Space Jam topic. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Slam. Alright, thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. 
Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joketomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.